Please stand for the reading of God's word. Matthew sixteen twenty one through 28. From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day he would be raised from the dead. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said, this will never happen to you. Jesus turned to Peter and said, Get away from me, Satan. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. Then Jesus said to his disciples, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your own soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? For the Son of God, for the Son of Man, will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. And I tell you the truth, some standing here right now will not die before they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. James 4, 6-7 And he gives grace generally. As the scriptures say, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves before God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Colossians 3, 12. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Please be seated. Amen? Amen. How many are humble and proud of it? Yeah. You know, there's a certain amount of pride that we have to take in ourselves, right? We take pride in ourselves when we take clothes out of the dresser and clothe ourselves in the morning. Uh, We shower and we bathe, hopefully... Every one of you have deodorant on this morning, right? We comb our hair. Uh, we're, we're thankful to God for our accomplishments. Um, it's good to talk about our accomplishments. It's okay to do that. As long as our focus is not on ourselves and how we look in the eyes of others, but on how we can use our accomplishments, use our achievements, use our talents and our abilities to look to others. And see how God can use us for the glory of God in ministering to other people. Peter is a a wonderful story. Just prior to this passage of scripture, we see that Peter uttered that awesome, awesome, awesome revelation from the Holy Spirit himself. That Jesus, you are the, the Son of God, the Messiah, the Holy One, the Anointed One. And Jesus said, you didn't get that from your own thoughts, boy. You got that from God. Pride is a thing that gets into our hearts and deters us from seeing things from God's perspective.
Pride brings defeat. Pride brings, let me read these verses for you. Pride leads to disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. That was Proverbs 11.2. These verses are going to be on your spiritual formation sheet this week. Pride leads to conflict. Those who take advice are wise. Pride goes before destruction and haughtiness before a fall. Pride ends in humiliation while humility brings honor. They will betray their friends, be reckless, be puffed up with pride, and love pleasure rather than God in the end days. That's from 2 Timothy 3, chapter 4. Have you ever been proud and God humiliated you? I have so many instances of this. I I don't know how to share it. Uh, I'll give you one, though. I'm driving with my girlfriend. The same one in which I picked up the metal pipe and tried to bend it, and it came down on my nose and broke my nose. That same, that same girl, I'm driving down the road, and there's a head-on collision across the median. And my girlfriend says, be careful, be careful. And my grandmother was in the car, too. Be careful, Dan, be careful. And I say, come on, I will never get in an accident if it's, not, if it's, not, if it's my fault. Never. I'm looking at the accident. I look up. Traffic is stopped. I'm doing 30 miles an hour. I have to turn the wheel, and I bash into a car coming on the exit, send him off into the ditch, and I go off into the ditch too. And the Lord tapped me on the shoulder and said, What did you say? (laughs) You've probably had experiences like that as well. That was God saying, I'm not going to let you get too far, boy, before I deal with this thing and it's going to wreck your heart and wreck my relationship with you. See, God out of love wants to destroy the pride of man in you. The Bible speaks of, in the, in the, end, uh, in the end days, it speaks of the fact that when we love the world, we are led by the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. We take pleasure in pride, in arrogant boasting, in the sheer arrogance of who we are. And this wonderful word where it says that God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble, that word oppose means that God will arrange everything to bring an onslaught of battle against you, to bring you down so that you can respond to God in the way that you need to, humbly. He doesn't do it because he likes to do that. We like to do that. We like to beat people down because we feel, hey, that's our job. If I beat you down, I look pretty good, don't I? The pride of man, as we look to ourselves and our achievements and our accomplishments, and like that ruler that looked over all of his wealth and all the grain and everything else and said, I am awesome. I'm like God. Boom. That night, who did he meet? God. Pride has a way of giving us a God complex. We can make it on our own. We're good enough to judge others and to condemn others and to speak into others' lives. The very thing that we're dealing with. Isn't it, isn't it something? 
The very thing that we're dealing with with God in our heart, when we see it in other people, what do we do? We attack it. Right? Because we want all the onslaught, the arrangement of God in battle against that person, not against me. Isn't it true? God opposes the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. I don't know about you, but I needed grace. I was an angry, frustrated, proud dipstick. And I needed God to reveal himself to me. That accident had an unbelievable situation in my life where God humbled me. So many areas that that I could tell where God, God humbled me. And I thank him for it. What are areas in in your life that makes you feel like you are a god? Wasn't that Satan's problem? He's worshiping. They say he was one of the great worship leaders in heaven, leading the worship to God. Right? And then all of a sudden he said, wait a minute. What's all this? All this stuff going to God? Hey, I want a little bit of piece of the action here, right? Raised his heart up against God. Can you imagine Emily? Praising God and worshiping God and all of a sudden, hey, hey, what's going on here? All this worship going to God? Hey, people, why don't you worship me right now? (laughs) But in essence, when we live in pride... And arrogance. We are telling God, go to hell because I want worship for myself. And God comes against you with everything that He has to humiliate you, to humble you, so that you respond to God in such a way that He gives you. His enabling power and grace when you finally fall on your knees and says, God, this arrogance, this pride, this rebellion, I don't know where it comes from. How many of you remember when you were a teenager? If you can, go way back into time. If we have to show videos, we will, but way back, way, way back. Do you remember when you were rebellious? You, told, you talked against your parents. You went out and did things against your parents, against the law, against teachers. You were, in, you were rebellious. Your hand was raised to God. I punched my youth leader right in the face because of this rebellion. And one day I sat down and I said, what the heck am I doing? I don't even know why I'm like this. Why am I so rebellious? Because it was my way of saying, I am God. I'm going to rule my own life. And God's going to have no way and no say in my heart and in my life. And that's when God brought about all these instances showing me that, yeah, I'm not all that God is. Amen? Here's a weird concept. I don't think it's our sins that defeat us. Our sins are those attitudes and behaviors that break the heart of God, 
bring us to a broken and damaged place apart from God. I really think it's our disobedience and distrust of God, our pride, our desire for self-rule, our desire for self-justification apart from faith in the person and work of Jesus Christ on the cross, his death, burial, and resurrection. That's where we falter. And do you ever make excuses for your sin? How many, uh, probably everybody, has have gotten in a fight on the road with some jerk that's cut you off, right? And when a jerk cuts you off on the road, you feel a God-given privilege and pleasure to bring the wrath and vindication of God upon that driver. It's your mission. It's your purpose. It's your passion. So you, of course, have to get in front of that guy and cut that guy off to show the love and grace of God so that he would repent and come to Jesus. And in doing that, you cut him off and go down into a ditch and wreck your car. And you make excuses. If that jerk didn't cut me off, I wouldn't be in this ditch right now. Oh, really stupid? Yeah, okay. We make excuses. And it's normally excuses are in the way of blaming others. If Charlie didn't do that to me, or if my life wasn't like it was, or I didn't grow up in this neighborhood, or because of my parents, or because of this, or because of that, we make excuses instead of coming to God and said, God, I'll lay all my excuses down at the cross. It's not going to stop me from allowing new life and transformation in my heart to change me. Because I need to be changed. I need to be transformed. And then we minimize sin, don't we? I can do this thing, this negative behavior, this sin this thing that's going to wreck me because everybody else is doing it. And here's another, okay, stupid, then go ahead and do that. Right? We minimize sin. We try to say everybody else is doing it. And here's the thing about culture. Culture is not the problem. Through every, every culture and age since Christ rose from the dead, Christians have been living in vibrancy, living the life of faith, dying as martyrs, healing the sick, raising the dead, preaching the gospel, right? In every culture. Because this kingdom that we reign and rule in, this kingdom that we are part of right now, is greater than any and every culture that this world can bring upon us. Amen? We live in the culture of the presence and the word of God. It's not by power, it's not by might. But by my spirit, says the Lord. Amen? Awesome. Let's not wage war against the culture. Those people out there that don't know Christ, what do you expect them to do? Don a robe, carry a cross, be all holy and all that stuff as they walk in church, sinning and doing everything? We can't expect them to want to change the culture. But we can change the culture as we get out there. And show them another culture. The culture of grace and the culture of love. The culture of the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of Satan. 
the kingdom of light and not the kingdom of darkness, right? I'm not afraid of the culture. I'm not afraid of stuff out there that we have to hide in here because, oh boy, the culture is coming in and attacking us. No. The Bible says the church of Jesus Christ, the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. Amen? So we can go out into this lost and dying world right in the midst of the culture of sin, depravity, and death and bring new life because of the very spirit of God that lives within us. Here's a little saying. We don't beat defeat through victory. And you're sitting there going, he's lost it. Can I, can I tell you something this morning? And I want this to sink into my heart and my brain, my spirit. The victory has already been won. Let me read something to you that will really encourage you today, okay? Where am I reading from? Okay, first... First Corinthians chapter 15. Let me reveal to you, verse 51, First Corinthians 15, 51. But let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die. But we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed for our dying bodies. Look at yourselves, people. You're dying. Look at me. I never used to look like this. True. And you never used to look like that. But man, once we hit heaven, I'm waiting for that glorified body, man. Arnold Schwarzenegger, bring it on, baby. Who knows, right? Mine can't even think or imagine what God has in store for us that love him and are called according to his purpose. Let's keep reading. It will happen in a moment, in the blink of an eye. Everybody blink your eye. That's pretty fast. You ever, you ever play green light, red light, one, two, three? Person stands at a wall, says, green light, one, Green light, red light, one, two, three. And turns around, and the people on the other room, they have to creep up before that guy turns around and sees them. Until finally, they get to the place where they can tap the guy. And then they become green light, red light, one, two, three. That has nothing to do with the message, just a little information, okay? (laughs) All right. It will happen in a moment in the blink of an eye when the last trumpet is blown. For when the trumpet sounds, those who have died will be raised to life forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never, ever die. Our mortal bodies must be transformed into mortal bodies. Immortal bodies. Then, when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, this scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. 
death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. We've all experienced it. We all have fallen short. For the law gives sin its power. The law tells us, you're a sinner. Oh, you broke that law, you're a sinner. Oh, you broke that one too, you're a sinner. But thank God, he gives us the victory over these two awesome things. And it's the only two things that we need victory over. He gives us the victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we praise him, amen? That's why we praise him. Because you are sinners, saved by grace, amen? I am a sinner. But you know what? Honkity donkey, I'm saved by grace. So when God looks at me, he doesn't see my sin. He doesn't see my stupidity. He doesn't see my weakness. He doesn't see my insufficiencies. He doesn't see my inadequacies. What he sees is the righteousness of Jesus Christ born within me because of his spirit that resides within me. And every day when you wake up and you look in the mirror, you don't look at your weaknesses or your insufficiencies or your inadequacies. You look into the wonderful grace and love of Jesus Christ that says today that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. How's that make you feel? Pride comes in, destroys all that. Pride gets your focus off what God says you are and puts a focus on what other people think and say that you should be or that you, you think and, and, and say in your heart that you should be based out of your sinful nature. And it destroys this relationship of grace that God has for you to enable you to walk in holiness and honor and faith out into a culture that wants to destroy you through the power of the God of the age, which is Satan. Sully said it today, Satan is the accuser. He's the slanderer. And he goes around wherever he he can to slander you and to accuse you. And for you to say, oh man, you're so right. No. You listen to what God says about you. Okay? Humble yourself before the Lord. So, my dear brothers and sisters, in lieu of this fact that he has given us victory over sin and of death, here it is. Be immovable. How many have used that word this week? I have used that word immovable. It's a great word, isn't it? All right, how about this word? Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Oh, man, that really, that really is encouraging, right? You move a chair for church. You get a vacuum out. You vacuum. You clean up a coffee spill. You turn a light the right way. You play the keyboard. You take the offering. You shovel the, the lousy parking lot filled with snow, which it hasn't been too bad, thank God, this year. Amen? And God says, what you do is never, ever useless. 
We don't beat defeat through victory. We beat defeat through loving obedience and trust in the one that has saved us, the Lord and the Master, the Savior of our souls, Jesus. Sounds kind of crazy. Jesus didn't say, if you love me, live in victory. Because if he said that, we'd want to put out an outward front, wouldn't we? We wouldn't let anybody know about us. We'd come in here and, how you doing? Praise God, I'm blessed. I'm claiming it and framing it. I'm blabbing it and grabbing it. All the blessings of God are coming my way. I feel good today. Then you turn away and you walk away and you're like, oh my God, how am I going to get through the week, right? We are a church, a body of believers that want to be able to say, you know what? I'm losing it this week. I've been crushed. I've been depressed. I've been anxious. I've had panic attacks. Things are falling apart. I'm tired of all my broken relationships. I'm tired of not being able to pay my bills. And you know what we'll say? Right on, because we're all in the same boat together. Let's do this thing together as we build each other up. Amen? The Bible says, you who are spiritual, bear the burden of the one that is weak. But it also says, carry your own load. Isn't that something? Where you're carrying your load of serving God, taking up your cross, following Him, all of a sudden, we got a situation in which Leo is having a problem. I shift my load over to this hand, and I give him a hand, see? And I get him up, and I say, come on, brother. I got your back. Let's go. You got your load? Yep. Okay. Let's do this. All right. Yeah. Hey, there's another dipstick right here. Let's, let's help him out. Okay, come on. All right, see? And then we go over here, and Fragili knows. Fragili knows I'm coming to him. Hey, here we go, right? We're walking that way because the cross is that way. Let's go. And we do this thing together. We're walking. We're carrying. We're sharing each other's burdens. And these guys are going to kill me after the service. Praise God. Let's turn around and go the other way. Right? We're carrying each other. Because we love each other. I love you, Fragili. You know that. Right? Amen. Now get to your seats, will you guys? Thank you. Give me a hand, people. Ah. See, pride would say... Leo, he's got so many problems. He needs Jesus, man. He needs, like, he needs like water and provisions. Listen, man, be blessed, okay? Jesus loves you. And I go over to here, and pride would say, man, here's another dipstick. He's, he's, he's out of it, man. He's lost it. He's, sin- he's, a, he's a sinner. I can't hang around with this guy, right? I'm so much better than this guy. I'm so much more righteous, so much more godly. Listen, I love you, but you're a sinner. Okay, then I go over to Fragili, right? And then I look at, I look at Fragili, and I just go like this, okay? All right? And I, and I walk away. See, we are, we don't do that. Back in the day when I was growing up, church used to shoot its wounded. You fell, brother? Oh, I'm marching on. I'm an onward walking soldier. You fell and I can't waste my... You're gone. Just walking. We don't do that anymore. Because you know why? But for the grace of God, 
That's where I would be right there. And we humble ourselves. We put on the Lord Jesus Christ and we humble ourselves and we love each other. And we realize the effects of pride and arrogance and a haughty spirit. That it will destroy your perspective just like it did with Peter. Peter, before that passage, made that awesome claim driven by the Holy Spirit, revealed by the Holy Spirit, you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the Holy and Anointed One. Later on, when Jesus is going to fulfill his Messiahship, die the death that he wanted to die for us, Peter said, whoa, ho, that's going a little bit too far. I will never, ever let you go, right? He didn't see things from the perspective of God's kingdom. And here it is, it's very simple. In order for you to have resurrection life, you must die. And God is awesome because he doesn't want to get Kool-Aid out today. We're not all going to drink Kool-Aid. He wants us to be a living sacrifice, day in and day out, yielding to the Spirit of God, humbling ourselves. Micah says, what is required of you is that you walk humbly before your God. And when you walk humbly before your God, you have your eyes on other people and how you can bless. And who was the humblest person that had ever walked the face of this earth? Jesus. Jesus. And he was God. Now who dwells within you this morning? The Spirit of Jesus, the Spirit, the Holy Spirit dwells within you. For us to walk humbly before our God. Based on the grace that we receive when we humble ourselves today. Let's turn over to Philippians chapter 2. I know you got spaghetti on your mind. (laughs) Philippians chapter 2. Now when I read this, I want you to, it's going to, it's going to, you're going to say, yeah, I know that, okay? But I I, I want, I, I want to just say it to you. As we read this passage of scripture, this is the God that created the universe and the cosmos that every day we are learning is bigger and bigger and greater than we've ever thought it was ever before. New stars, new planets, right? He's the God that created it all. And as we look to creation, we see the glory of God in creation. But what God desires to do is put the Spirit of God within you so when people see you, they see the glory of redemption through Jesus Christ. Respond to the grace of God and come to know him in a greater way. Here's, here's this passage of scripture. Then, then we're going to close. Is there any encouragement? Philippians chapter 2 verse 1. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Any fellowship together in the spirit? Are your hearts tender and compassionate? Then make me truly happy. By agreeing wholeheartedly with each other. Loving one another. And working together with one mind. And one purpose. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Preferring one another. Honoring one another. Letting praise. Letting people 
have good talk about you, deflect it to someone else. Pick up someone else to get the attention. Pick up somebody else to be blessed. Amen? Look to others. That's what the body of Christ is all about. Don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Now, how are we going to impress others? Huh? Come on. By the cars we drive? By the clothes we wear? Not really, right? Thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others too. And here it is. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. What an attitude, huh? You know, I remember so many talks with my parents about my attitude. And I'm reliving it with Zachy. What goes around comes around, I guess. Yeah, that's it. But God is so gracious because he's all the time with us with our petty little attitudes. Our attitudes of selfishness, our attitudes of wantonness, our attitudes of desire and pleasure that hurt the heart of God. He's right there with us, loving us, and sharing his grace with us. Same attitude that took Jesus Christ off the cross and brought him down to die is that same attitude that God wants you to have when it comes to other people to serve and to minister. And your life will never ever be the same. What joy of salvation. There's an old hymn. And you might know it. Trust and obey. How many know that old hymn? Raise your hand. Would you stand? Because I just want to... It's an old hymn. And I'm so grateful somebody knows it. Okay? Stand together. You guys are cool. Yeah. All right. You may be seated. Here it goes. We're going to close with this. Listen. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus than to trust and obey. There's some issues right now that God is working with you in in areas of trust and in areas of obedience. You'll never obey the Lord unless you trust him with your life. Trust him today. Who else will you trust? Our political government and its system? No. Trust God and obey Him in every sense of the, of the word. Listen, when God woos you, okay? When God speaks to you, obey and do it. If you need to forgive somebody, forgive. If you need to love somebody, love. Do everything that you can to love the Lord with everything that you are today. And on that note, we're going to love to have some spaghetti right now. (laughs) Amen. What we're going to do is we're going to pray. And then we're going to ask that all you guys and any of you ladies that want to help, we're going to set up the tables, set up the chairs, and we will commence to proceed to begin to have some spaghetti. All right? Let's, let's bow for a word of prayer. Dear God, 
thank you that you humbled yourself and came and you died. Thank you that you washed the disciples' feet as an example for us on how to serve and love one another. Lord, you said in in your word that the greatest joy that you had was to do the will of him who sent you, the will of the Father. And now you say to us, my joy I give to you. The joy to do the will of the Father. Joy in obedience. Joy in following you. Joy in trusting you. Joy in turning everything over to you and saying, I need a manager. I need somebody to manage my life. Somebody to to run my life because I've screwed it up and I'm, I'm desperate. And I need you. We respond to God in faith today. Saying, God, I need you. We make a turn. We repent. We change our minds about our situation and about what God says. And we say, I want to go God's way. I want to see Jesus. I want him Lord of my life. And God, I thank you for this this time of fellowship that we're going to have with Steel City Church Spaghetti. And I pray you bless it, encourage one another, and we thank God for all the workers and all the volunteers that have set this thing up. Before we go, I want to tell you that we have lost one of our own. Gary Stromanger went to be with the Lord this week, and we're going to miss him. Tired of death. Tired of sorrow. I'm tired of pain. That's why I need Jesus. Because he bears our burdens and we cast our care upon him. But Gary went to be with the Lord this, this uh, week. His uh, viewing is tomorrow from 2 to 4, 7 to 9, at Kazmierzak Funeral Home on Clinton in West Seneca. And then the funeral service is Tuesday at 11 o'clock at Kazmir Zak Funeral Home. And what we're going to do, right, Mike, is we're going to celebrate the life of our brother because he was awesome. He was smart. And he was kind. And he was loving. And now we miss him. But one day, we're going to see him again. Amen. <laughs> Give him a big hug. Every time I went over to him, he smiled. I told his family that, and his family said he never smiled. (laughs) And I thought, it's probably my face made him laugh. I don't know. (laughs) Hey, uh, how you doing? Uh, Awesome guy. If you can make it tomorrow night from 7 to 9, in honor of Gary, and hear the, the stories of Gary's life, it's a celebration, friends. Celebration of life. In a twinkling of an eye, he was with Jesus. And now he's embraced by God Almighty, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Amen? The assurance of salvation. Enough talking. Let's get the spaghetti.